Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Do not worry about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, beloved, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is pleasing, whatever is commendable. If there is any excellence and if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Keep on doing the things that you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, and the God of peace will be with you. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Well, thank you so much, uh, Madeline and Lee, for reading our text this morning. And to our praise team, to uh, Sarah Grace in particular, Casey, you're right, uh, following Sarah Grace with that children's sermon is a daunting task. Uh, We're so grateful to sit at the feet of our seniors today as they uh, lead us in worship together. And certainly we're grateful for our mothers and grandmothers. And I think it's kind of uh, appropriate that we have paired uh, these two special recognitions together, uh, especially uh, in this series that we're doing called Fruitful as we continue today in this series on the fruit of the Spirit. We are taking a closer look at each of the nine fruits during the next couple of months from Galatians 5.22, which you've been reading as well. These fruits are actually the outgrowth or what we would call the produce of a life that is increasingly dying to self and becoming alive to the Spirit. I always feel like I need to explain something about the Trinity at this point, particularly in regard to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not some vague, nebulous, abstract thing, but the Holy Spirit is the very presence of the risen Christ indwelling within us. When the Spirit of God is given reign in our hearts and minds, we actually begin to resemble Jesus. We begin to reflect the character of Jesus in the way that we walk, in the way that we live, in the way that we love, and in the way that we serve. We've been saying over the last couple of weeks that the key to a fruitful life is simply in maintaining an attachment, a connection with Jesus, who is the vine. We remember how Jesus said in John 15, 7 and 8, If you abide in me and my teachings abide in you, then ask what you wish, it will be done for you, and you will bear much fruit, proving yourselves, validating yourselves to be my disciples. Some of you know the name Kenda Creasy Dean, who is a professor of youth ministry uh, and culture, the church at Princeton University and the seminary, uh, seminary there. She's written a book called Almost Christian a few years ago that was particularly geared to teens and about teens. Kenda makes a comment in this book that I think is extremely appropriate to this study. She says, and I quote, the essential mark of maturity in Christians as in peach trees is generativity. Says Dean, mature faith bears fruit. 
Mature Christians are simply branches of God's love which becomes multiplied and offered for the nourishment of others. She goes on, by nurturing and offering the life-giving fruits of the Spirit, we actually become branches of divine grace or vehicles which Christ uses to extend himself to others. I think we've seen a, a kind of an object lesson on video today of generativity, of what happens in youth ministry when we pour ourselves, when we pour our faith, the gospel, into our young people. In fact, our two liturgists this morning, Adam and Casey, are both generative ministers who have come out of the youth ministry of this church. You have cultivated in their lives a calling for God, and they have accepted that call. That's what it means to be fruitful. That's what it means to be generative. To date, we have examined the fruits of love and joy, but this morning, I want to talk to you for a few minutes about the fruit of peace. Now, you may have noticed that the Scripture lesson this morning is the exact same as last week. It's Philippians 4, 4 through 9. That's not a typo. That's not an accident. It's intentional. And we're repeating this text basically for three reasons. Number one, I'm not sure you got it last week. Number two, repetition is the key to learning. And number three, I want you to notice that this particular passage contains three of the nine fruits which we have mentioned, joy, gentleness, and peace. Now, there's a Greek word for peace that Paul used in that text in Philippians. It's called arene. That word means to join or bind together that which is broken or which is divided and to make it one again. By the way, this is not something spiritually that you can do by yourself or for yourself, but then you don't have to because Paul writes to the Romans in chapter 5, verse 1, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Irene is the word. Now, some of you know better, much better, the Hebrew word for peace, which is shalom. It means wholeness. It means harmony. It means well-being. In fact, many of you would know that the word shalom is a, a common Jewish greeting. Paul uses it as a salutation in almost all of his epistles. He says things like, grace and peace to you in the name of God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. But it's more than a greeting. It's more than a hello, how are you? Shalom is an expression of serenity. It's an expression of tranquility. In fact, the shalom of God is not, contrary to popular belief, the absence of conflict. The shalom of God is divine sufficiency in the heat of hostility. Now, for sure, Paul, the Apostle Paul, understood this peace. He knew it himself. In fact, it's what enabled Paul to endure the pressure of ministry. It was the peace of God that empowered Paul to endure the persecution 
of ministry. In fact, every letter in your New Testament is essentially written by Paul as a troubleshooting guide for churches that have gotten sideways with each other. I realize that sometimes there are those among us who have kind of a stained glass view of the early church as though it was completely idealistic, Pollyanna, stress-free, and utopian. It was not. It was messy. The Spirit was moving, of course. Lives were being transformed, renewed, and redeemed. But the truth of the matter is sanctification is messy business. Spiritual fruit doesn't ripen overnight. It takes time. Some of you remember the old Peanuts cartoon, no doubt. I love that cartoon. I love the one where one day Lucy says to Charlie Brown, Chuck, I hate everything. I hate everybody. I hate the whole wide world. And Chuck says, but Lucy, I thought you had inner peace She said, I do, but I still have outer obnoxiousness. It's messy. In chapter 4, Philippians, verse 6 and 7, I want you to notice that Paul makes an interesting correlation where he connects the fruit of peace with the practice of prayer. Now listen to this. Don't be anxious about anything. I want to stop right there and say, yeah, right. The word anxious in the Greek means merimnao, which is the same word that was used with Martha. Remember Mary and Martha at the dinner party? It means distracted. It means to be sidetracked. Don't be anxious about anything, says Paul, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. You see the connection between the fruit of peace and the practice of prayer. I think what Paul is actually giving to us is a prescription. He's saying that the antidote for a troubled spirit is prayer. I'm looking forward to August when school starts back again. We're going to do a series in August on the prayer life of Jesus. I think it's so important. Prayer was the secret sauce for the ministry of our Lord, this unceasing dialogue, this unending communion with the Father, and this is what enabled Jesus to then become a peacemaker in the, in the midst of great tension. This is what empowered Jesus and empowers us to endure, to persevere, and to be generative, fruitful. In fact, John Wesley, our spiritual founder in the Methodist Church, said that prayer, intercession, is the number one primary means of grace, number one. There are others, Bible study, the Lord's Supper, fasting, conferencing or fellowship, but number one, said Wesley, prayer. Prayer is the passport of peace, and Paul makes the connection. Somebody gave me a copy of Time magazine the other day, this special edition that has recently been published 
on anxiety. It's called the age of anxiety. In 96 pages in this special edition, I found three pages that were dedicated to a spiritual approach to anxiety. 3% of the periodical dedicated to a spiritual approach. The three pages were written by a rabbi. His name is Steve Leder. He is senior rabbi of one of the largest congregations, synagogues in the world, Wilshire Boulevard Temple in Los Angeles, California. Steve mentions three things from our Judeo-Christian heritage that he suggests gives peace to our anxious souls. Number one, repentance. And not just repentance to God, but repentance with neighbor. Number two, generosity, a gracious spirit that is helping or serving others. And number three, prayer. In fact, he elevates prayer to number one, as does Mr. Wesley. Says leader, prayer is a different way of thinking about the world than filtering it through CNN or Fox or Twitter. The Jewish sages, says Leder, used to say, we don't see things as they are, we see things as we are. In other words, what we see is always within us before we ever open our eyes. If you don't believe that people are mostly good in some ways, you'll see mostly evil in the world. If you always expect the worst, you'll be blind to the best. Too often, says the rabbi, it is not until every other option fails that somebody will say, well, there's nothing left to do but pray, as if it's a fire alarm, as if it's a last resort. But as sons and daughters of the Most High God, we put it first. Prayer is the daily discipline of counting our blessings, which then challenges our anxious thoughts. Or as Dostoevsky once put it, man is fond of counting his troubles, but he seldom calculates God's blessings. Be not distracted, be not sidetracked about anything but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your requests be made known to God now pause it there for just a moment with thanksgiving shouldn't we wait until we see if God gives us what we ask for before we're actually thankful no prayer is a relationship it's it's not a slot machine Paul's not waiting for an answer in order to be thankful. He's grateful simply because God hears, because God cares. And prayer for Paul is a trust in God with the answer regardless of what it is. It is our way of placing trust in the providence, the provision, and the sufficiency of Almighty God, regardless of the results. And the upshot is peace. 
And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Notice the word guard. It's a military term. Literally, it means sentinel. It means watchman. It means patrolman. It means lookout. When you read it in context, what it really means, friends, is it means that God has your back. It means that when you're in a tight, you've got backup because we serve one who protects the peace. When you have peace on the inside, it's going to show up on the outside. You may actually become a peacemaker. Jesus once said, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons and daughters of God. And so there's a link between shalom and prayer. I tell you, I think that's why this fruit challenge is so crucial because when the church prays, fruit happens. I got an email from a man in another state this week. I don't even know him. He doesn't really know me, but he's been tuning in in worship. And he said the other day, one of your members who was my friend 40 years ago, I had not heard from him in 40 years, called me out of the blue and said, how can I pray for you? And I said, why now? And he said, my crazy pastor has asked us to remember one person each day for nine weeks. And this man remembered his friend from 40 years ago at a pivotal moment when he needed it most. And this man writes me an email and says to me, whatever your church is doing, keep doing it because it's making a difference. Peace, prayer. We had a Zoom call on Wednesday night with our graduates. Our high school seniors, they have had a couple of very anxious months, disappointing months. It's an impressive group of young people. Adam, I think there were over 40 who were a part of the call. Uh, many are headed to college. The list is very long, but they're expecting me to call the list, and so I'm going to do it. Listen closely. These are the colleges and universities that they are going to. UT, that's a shocker, MTSU, Belmont, Auburn, Alabama, Georgia, go dogs, Mississippi State, Texas A&M, Baylor, Virginia Tech, Miami, Penn, Columbia State, Elon, Reinhardt, DePaul, Trinity, Northeastern, Indianapolis, UAB, Yale, Samford, High Point, Marshall, Loyola, and Arizona State University. Our seniors are going to study, when they get to college, everything from business to biology from psychology to cybersecurity, from aerospace to neuroscience. In fact, just last week, I think it was Wednesday or Thursday, the youth staff and small group leaders have been putting these wonderful signs that you're looking at on the screen just now, these signs of congratulation in their yards to celebrate their achievement. And I want to say to each of our seniors, we are incredibly proud of you. And by the way, also, the first thing you need to do this summer when you receive your diploma is thank your mother. 
They're an amazing group of people. I want to say something to the seniors. You've had some disappointments over the last six, eight weeks. You've had some setbacks. You've missed some things that we didn't want you to miss and you didn't want to either. We cannot fathom the amount of activity celebrations that have been canceled one after the other. Celebration days, honors day, graduation postponed, even prom. Though one of our seniors and his family decided to innovate, they improvised, they had a family prom. I have a picture. They decorated their home, they dressed up, and they had a home dance. They improvised. This is the Sleenhoff family. And right in the middle, Father Sleenhoff, the next slide you'll see, that he was the happy escort for his daughters, Bella and Annika, because Mark told me, frankly, I cannot find any boys worthy of my girls. I want you to look closely and see this red velvet coat that Mark is wearing. Mark, you've still got it. Innovation. They improvised. Our faith actually teaches us to do that. Ever since Easter Sunday, when the disappointment of Good Friday evolved into God raising His Son from the dead, we know something about improv, innovation. It's interesting to me in our faith journey how often the disappointments can become His appointments for a deeper faith and maturity. Now, I don't know this to be true, but I have a prediction. I predict that your senior class, 2020, will be remembered more than any in recent years, not because of what you have achieved, but because of what you have endured. It's amazing what difference endurance can make in your lifetime between the mature and the immature, between faithful and faithless, it's endurance. I've learned something myself through disappointments, and they have been many. I have learned that for every setback, God has a comeback. I believe that for you. I have one last word about our seniors. One of our students, she was actually featured a few moments ago in the video, one of our students is not going to college. She's going to take a gap year. She's going to be a missionary. In September, in a few moments, she plans to go to Asia. She will likely be stationed in Cambodia or Vietnam, and then she intends to go to South Africa. Her name is Maddie. I called Maddie the other day, and I asked her about this decision, and she told me. She said, about six weeks ago, when the pandemic started, I began praying. I had already been accepted in the college of my choice, but she said, I was anxious about it. It just just didn't feel right. She said, actually, I'd been experiencing a call to serve God for several weeks and months, and and I didn't know exactly what God wanted me to do. And, And I was trying to be patient, but I was feeling the push. 
And at one point, she admitted, she confessed, I I actually got mad at God because I needed an answer. (laughs) And then the quarantine. She said, actually, the quarantine has been helpful because it has given me the space to figure it out. And in my late-night prayers and with the assistance of Google, (laughs) I found my missional organization It's called YWAM. That's an acronym for Youth with a Mission. We had a young man in our last church who is with Youth with a Mission. It's a wonderful missional organization. She said, I made some calls. I did some interviews, some referencing, and now I'm ready to go. She mentioned also her gratitude for her youth director, for Adam and for Lee and our youth ministry who have nurtured that young girl and loved her. And then I ask her the million-dollar question, how are your parents? She said they were concerned at first, but they get it. They're supportive. I've prayed, and I'm at peace. As I listened to Maddie, I remembered my own call, and I thought, Lord, I wish I could just do it all over again. And it occurred to me that there are some things in life that cannot be canceled. You can't cancel the call of God. You cannot defer the witness of the gospel. You cannot postpone the mission of the church without forfeiting your peace. As I hung up the phone, (laughs) I thanked God for the fruit of Maddie Hargis. And the class of 2020, I want to say to the class of 2020, every one of you are youth with a mission. And so we call you by the Spirit of God to be fruitful, to improvise, to stay connected to the vine to be generative, and to know beyond the shadow of a doubt that for every setback, God has a comeback. (laughs) You are the branches through which the shalom of God is about to be extended. And nobody, but nobody, but nobody can cancel that. Thanks be to God.